Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. We're going to talk about the work of the late Philip Coppins. He passed away in December of 2012. It will be nine years this December. His wife, Kathleen McGowan, is continuing his work. She is an expert in both women's history and ancient mystery. She frequently appears on the air as an expert in historical, biblical, and ancient mysteries for multiple History Channel shows. At the heart of all of Kathleen's projects is her mission to shed light on influential women from the past whose contributions have been erased, maligned, or misrepresented by the writers of history. Kathleen is currently compiling almost 30 years and several thousand pages of research into her book called The Magdalene Way, Mary Magdalene's Life in France, and how this one woman changed the face of the Western world. Kathleen, welcome to the program, and my condolences on the loss of Philip. Oh, thank you. Thank you, George, so much. Uh, he was a, a very big fan of, of everything you do here, so I'm sure uh, he is with us tonight. He was uh, one heck of a guy, I'll tell you what. I mean, he was uh, a regular on the History Channel's uh, Ancient Aliens program, and uh, when uh, when he passed away, it just shocked us all. He, he had blood cancer, I guess, didn't he? Well, sort of. He had a really rare type of angiosarcoma, um, that manifests in microscopic tumors. So, <laughs> Philip being Philip, of course, he wouldn't do anything normally or the easy way. Right. You know, he, he was a complete anomaly in everything he did, uh, including in the cancer that ultimately took him from us. But it's one of those, it's one of those really, really tragic cancers that by the time they can detect it in your system, it's far too late to do anything about it. And it, it just, it happened so so fast. Yeah, it sure did. And before we even get going into this incredible story of his uh, work, and your work too with the Magdalene Way, how are you? Are you okay? Uh, I am now. It, t- it, it took a, it's, well, it's been eight years, right? Uh, going into nine. And yeah. Philip would have been, he would have been 50 this year. He was only 41 when Oh, nine. that's young. Jeez. Yeah. That's young. <laughs> I know, it's hard. Um, I, you know, for the first two years, I, I don't think I was even sane. I mean, I just, I, it was so shocking. And, you know, we were, we were married in July of that year. You were and, only married about a year, right? Or six yeah, months? Yeah, well, we'd only been married for five months. Um, so, yeah, he, I was his bride and his widow within a five-month period. Oh, my God. It was brutal. So I didn't know he got married, and so let us apologize to you for not reaching out to you after his tragic death. I mean, oh, it, it was, jeez, uh, it was short-lived for you, wasn't it, that that uh, marriage? Yeah, it, and for just, you know, when we, we found out he was sick, it was, I mean, we, we had no idea. He was great. Like, 2012, we were so busy. We were running around Bosnia. The entire month of September, we were climbing the Bosnian pyramids. You know, he was involved with all these international conferences about the pyramids. And then we came back here and we shot a full season of Ancient Aliens. And we were full on until the day before Thanksgiving. And that was when we wrapped season five of Ancient Aliens. And um, the next day was Thanksgiving and he wasn't feeling good. And he's like, you know, I think I'm just going to rest. And we thought, oh, well, you know, of course, we've been full on. He's exhausted. And then the next day, he looked at me and he said, I can't breathe. Uh. And I took him to UCLA, and he never came out. Uh, it was 
that's how fast it happened. Yeah, it, was, it, it was fast. And yeah. did, did he ever go to contact in the desert? He did, yeah. I, he, I, he went, I, I think he went in one of the early first year, maybe. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that that's where I physically met him. And, uh, I mean, he was uh, he had long hair then, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I think he was probably there with Giorgio. Um, yeah, Tsoukalos, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Great guy. Giorgio sent me a text a couple weeks ago, and uh, he's just uh, one heck of And Eric Von Doniken, who wrote the foreword to this book, The Ancient Alien Question. Uh, yeah. All great wonderful, people. Wonderful, wonderful people. Giorgio's family, I mean, he's really been my brother through this whole process. And, you know, when Philip first died, Giorgio would just come over and just sit with me, you know, and we and just be with me there. Just uh, He's just a wonderful, wonderful guy. You were not a believer in Philip's work. <laughs> In the beginning, were you? <laughs> no, not not entirely. Um, that's why he called me Scully, right? So that, was always, <laughs> that was always our joke. I was his redheaded skeptic, and um, and he was and he was Mulder. Was he ever? Um, but you know, we we met in in France. We were both working on ancient mysteries and you know those types of things. So I like to think that I've always had a pretty open mind about most things. But there were just elements of the alien thing that I always felt like they were just, ah, just a bridge too far for me. Don't know if I can go there with you. Um, but over my time with him, you know, he he definitely opened my mind and and, uh, and made a believer out of me in his way. I wouldn't go so far as to say I am an ancient alien or ancient astronaut theorist like he was, but I will say that he um, he expanded my vision on the topic. And now tell us about this 10th anniversary edition. You wrote the preface for it, and uh, this is the work of Philip Coppins, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, this is 100% Philip's work. He released this book originally 10 years ago, um, and the reason that he wanted to do this is he was having such a great time with the show, with Ancient Aliens, but, you know, television is about sound bites, so he would be able to get bits and pieces out, but he really wanted to create something um, substantial. He wanted to create, I call this book his monument to the open mind. Um, and he wanted to call it the question because that was his, that was his modus operandi all the time was asking the question. Uh, he said, as long as we're asking the questions, you know, we're on the, we're on the right track. The questions matter more than the answers. And of course, Philip was also a student of grail lore, and that is the essence of the grail quest, right? Asking the right questions. So, he wanted to create something that would allow skeptics and believers alike to to look at it, to read it, to absorb it, and to, to then go ahead and make their own decisions. So this was really, you know, his way of creating something that would be substantial on the subject that people could take away and go, okay, I'm going to think about this. Whether or not I believe it, I don't know, but I'm going to think about it. He was not out to. He was not a proselytizer. He wasn't out to convert anybody. Right. But he wanted people to listen to the evidence. Well, and that was important for him because even though he was a believer in all of this, he wanted evidence to back up those claims. Oh, absolutely. And he was he was the most diligent researcher. I mean, he he dug into everything, and he had. He had the most astonishing mind. I mean, he, he had this encyclopedic understanding of, of data, and he just could store it, and he could repeat it. Um, and it was never enough. I mean, he, had to, he was constantly looking for, you know, new sources and new ways to look at the evidence, new places to find the evidence. So he was, he was never just a, 
uh, a blind faith believer. He was deeply, deeply invested in the science of everything. And, you know, he was fond of saying that the skeptics thought he was a believer and the believers thought he was a skeptic, when the truth was he was just really a quester. He was really on a search. At what, at what point did you start to realize that he was on to something with his work? Um, you know, Philip was very gentle in his, his conversion of me. Um, and we found a lot of common ground. Like, for example, we would talk about um, what is the definition of an extraterrestrial. And he mm-hmm. would say to me, listen, you believe in angels. You believe in angelic intervention. How is that, how is that different, you know? An angel is, by definition, extraterrestrial, not of this earth. So is what you believe any different than believing that the ancients may have been speaking or communicating in some way with people from, you know, other planets or stars or, you know, etc. So he just had a really, you know, he was, he was a bridge builder. He was really good at, at finding people where they lived and being able to meet them there and provide them with evidence. But I think if I have to give one, the one thing that really got me, that really, really changed me in terms of uh, the whole alien experience was when he was working, he was producing a documentary on Roswell with uh, the grandson of Jesse Marcel, who, as I'm sure you know, was yeah. the first responder at Roswell. Right. And um, he wanted me to come with him. We, well, we're flying up to Washington uh, to interview Jesse and spend some time with his family, and he wanted me to come. And uh, I was really reluctant. I'm like, oh, Roswell, this isn't my thing, Philip. And he's like, no, you need to come. You need to hear what, what Jesse has to say. And I have to tell you, George, those are the three most fascinating days I've had in ages. That Sitting with that family and listening to this, the stories of how this family was altered by what happened at Roswell and what had been passed down to them from their grandfather was astonishing to me and eye-opening. And it was, there was a, here I was with this human face, this incredible family of people telling me this story. And I realized, oh, this is, this is real. This, this is real for people. <laughs> this isn't a fairy tale. I'm, this is, this is happening. And uh, that was, that was the big one for me was Roswell. I bet that family of Marcel, they were just in shock over the stories that Jesse probably handed down to them. Oh, it's just, it, it's, it's amazing. Um, it, it's, it's really a privilege to, to sit with those people. And um, they're, they're just, they're exceptional. And, and you know, they, like, they, they talk about the debris that was found and, and the, the things that happened and the way they were silenced. And it's just, it's, a, it's an amazing thing to hear it, again, from that really human point of view. You know, this is what happened to my grandfather, and this is what it did to him. You know, how, how this was a man who was so committed to his life in the government and in service, and yet, you know, he was really so ultimately abused by that government because, you know, they really, you know, what they did to him when he sort of dared to step forward and say, <laughs> you know, there's something here that we need to talk about. And they said, no, there isn't. You know, and of course they shut him down. And and then we had the whole weather balloon, you know, fiasco and all. Oh of my God! Yeah. Yeah, but um, to hear it again from the point of view of the family and how it had impacted them all um, through what was now the third generation, 
was really startling and uh, and extraordinary. Well, with Kathleen McGowan, she is the wife of the late Philip Coppins. The book is called The Ancient Alien Question. So what did Philip actually believe? Did he believe we were being visited, that there were ETs out there? What what was his belief system? Um, he did believe we were being visited, and he 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 believed that, you know, the the majority of these extraordinary monuments that are on our planet, whether it's pyramids, uh, stone alignment, Stonehenge, uh, Karnak, and Brittany, he believed that those were all some type of communication device. They were all used to communicate with the gods, as Eric would call them, on uh, chariots of the gods, uh, which would be people from other places, other intelligences. Um, and, and I think that where where we would get into it a little bit was I was afraid that in believing in those things, you were taking away from the idea that humans ha- have this ability to create these magnificent, you know, structures. And what he really taught me was that those two ideas are not mutually exclusive, that humans are amazing, humans are magnificent and magical and can create these things. But at the same time, what if they were communicating with other intelligences? And what if that is the explanation for why there are things that are thousands and thousands of years old on our planet, which in the 21st century with technology, we can't recreate. There has to be an explanation for those things. And, and this was his, that we were communicating with other intelligences. Kathleen, did he ever discuss with you how he got to that point to believe all this? You know, <laughs> he, he, he was very mysterious about certain things in his life, even with me. And something happened to him when he was a child. Again, he very much was like Fox Mulder, if you're familiar with the X-Files. Oh, sure. Absolutely. (laughs) Something happened to him. He had some kind of an encounter as a child, which he would never talk about. Um, But it definitely had had made a, a, a significant impression on him. So he was involved with the idea of contact from the time he was a kid. And um, he got involved with Eric. He met Eric and Giorgio together at a conference in Bern in 1995 in Switzerland. So he would have been 24. And he was a keynote speaker by the age of 24. So he was already, um, he had been publishing about this idea since he was about 18. And Giorgio would have been about a kid right about then too, right? Yeah, Giorgio was a kid. He was a teenager when he met he met Philip. Boy, and, boy, wonder. <laughs> absolutely. Yep. And uh, and Eric was their mentor. And uh, what an amazing trio they turned out to be. Oh, I, I get a kick every time I meet Eric Von Donneken at events, uh, primarily contact in the desert. But COVID has kind of dampered the physical appearance. We're going to do it Zoom this year in uh, in June. Oh, but, he's amazing. But what a guy and what energy the guy has. My God. He's incredible. And, you know, it's funny because this book, Eric wrote the introduction to this book, and I was just reading it again today, and it was like, he's so incredible. (laughs) Reading these, in five pages, he lays out the case for the ancient astronaut theory in the most exceptional way, uh, in the way that only Eric could. He's just, he's just a genius. He's a brilliant man. With what's been going on now with the video releases from the Pentagon and their discussions, what would Philip be saying about all of that today? Uh, well, my, you know, I, what I tell everyone is 
uh, Philip's up there orchestrating some of this because <laughs> he's he he's getting it. disclosure, isn't he? That's right. <laughs> well, it's funny because I wrote this. It's in the in um, there's a preface that I write for the book that I wrote last year, and I think it was April 27th. And um, the day I wrote it, uh, later that afternoon was the day that the Pentagon disclosed that uh, that footage and said, you know, listen, we think that there's a really strong case. Um, you know, that we have been visited by, by other intelligences. And, and so, um, I, you know, all I could do was laugh and say, thanks, honey, you know. <laughs> what, what, um, what made you decide, Kathleen, to pick up Philip's story and run with it? Well, we were working on so many projects together um, when he got sick. and um, He never finished them. He never finished them. And he, had, he was so prolific. And he had the most incredible work ethic. He could say, okay, I'm going to sit down now, and I'm going to write five chapters, and I'm not getting up until I do. And he would do it. He would just sit down, put his laptop on his lap, and just work. And so I also I had all this information. I have so much, I have so much material of his that I, you know, he never got to finish. And, and I know that he wanted it out there. So you know, I'm, I'm really committed to making sure that you know, nothing is, is left behind that he wanted the world to see. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.